resolution passed by the commission states that city staff have discussed the test results with BCA environmental consultants and are, quote, comfortable the environmental conditions of the property will not significantly impair its future development, unquote. The Redevelopment Commission will purchase the lot for $800,000 plus a $1,000 allowance for closing costs with monies from a TIF bond fund. The owners of Night Moves are expected to continue to operate the business at that location until their lease expires in 2020. And on Friday, March 31st, was the deadline for the residents of the West Calumet Housing Complex in East Chicago, Indiana, the vast majority of whom are African-American, to move out because of lead contamination. But 58 families remained. The city has scheduled the public housing facilities to be torn down. The relocation effort has been dogged by several problems. There are few apartments for rent in the formerly industrial area. Many landlords won't accept government housing vouchers. Some apartments are unaffordable, and some residents object to being forced out. The East Chicago Housing Authority is forcing some residents to move to Altgeld Gardens, a public housing project across the state line on the far south side of Chicago. Altgeld Gardens doesn't have a reputation for its healthy conditions and has been called Chicago's, quote, toxic donut, unquote, because of its proximity to waste dumps, sewage treatment plants, and chemical factories. East Chicago officials began moving people out of the three-story apartment buildings last summer. Soil testing had revealed lead levels in some of the yards over 70 times the federal safety standard. The site used to hold a smelter and lead refinery that salvaged lead from car batteries and scrap metal. In a heavy blow to the U.S. nuclear power industry, Westinghouse Electric Company has filed for bankruptcy. The company has been known as a major promoter of nuclear energy. Its move arouses questions about the corporation's four nuclear reactors now under construction in the U.S. Westinghouse has experienced billions of dollars in cost overruns for the reactors, and their construction is years behind schedule. The Japanese company Toshiba bought Westinghouse's nuclear construction business in 2006 when it stated that the purchase heralded, quote, the dawn of a new era for nuclear energy, unquote. Approximately 20% of U.S. electricity comes from nuclear power plants. At an average age of 35 years, those reactors are old by industry standards. Although its nuclear reaction construction business has run into trouble, Westinghouse still has a profitable nuclear services business. It's expected that Toshiba will eventually sell that business. On March 27th, Maryland became the first state with gas reserves to ban fracking. The Maryland Senate voted 35 to 10 for the ban, and the governor, the first Republican governor to call for a fracking ban, promised to sign the bill. The ban was a triumph for citizen, for citizen activism. Activist groups across the state held dozens of meetings, rallies, and other actions leading up to the decisive legislative session. Activists delivered 35,000 petitions and letters to lawmakers and recorded a radio ad with a well-known actor. Activists made over 5,000 calls to Senate offices during the legislative session. Over 1,000 people marched to Annapolis calling for a ban, and 13 activists went to jail. 
activists formed the Don't Frack Maryland Coalition and won a two-year moratorium on fracking in 2015. The moratorium laid the groundwork for the ban. On the same day as the ban went into effect, 33 students at the University of Pennsylvania occupied a university building. The group, Fossil Fuel Free Pennsylvania, had had two demands. One, immediate divestment of the university's endowment from all companies extracting coal and tar sands, and two, initiation of a plan for full divestment from all fossil fuel corporations within six months. The students planned to remain until its demands were met and were prepared to risk the Ivy League University's disciplinary action. Fourteen students slept in the lobby of College Hall on March 29th, and 13 were written up by the university administration after refusing to leave the building at closing time. The university administration said that last year a committee held a vote to divest, but that divestment failed to pass. Fossil fuel-free Pennsylvania intends to continue pressuring the administration to discuss the issue. And it appears that the slightly cleaner energy produced by wind is becoming more and more profitable. Some ranchers in Texas are getting more income from wind turbines than oil. A single turbine can produce between ten dollars and $20,000 a year for landowners. Each turbine generates 3 megawatts of electricity. The amount of compensation in Indiana is lower. We have approximately 1,119 wind turbines in the state, and landowners were paid $5.2 million in 2014. Thus, the average compensation per landowner is about $5,000. The turbines in Indiana are generating between 1.5 and 2 megawatts. According to the Wind Industry website, compensation nationally varies. The general rules of thumb are four to eight thousand dollars per turbine, three to four thousand dollars per megawatt of capacity, or two to four percent of gross revenues. Because clean power prices are generally set by decades-long contracts, renewables tend to produce a predictable flow of cash to landowners and governments. The oil industry, on the other hand, reduced the taxes it paid to state and local governments across Texas in 2016 by 40 percent from 2014. When oil is cheap, tax revenue drives up. Unlike oil, wind companies are adding jobs right and left. Last year, the number of wind jobs grew by 32% nationwide, according to the Energy Department. According to the Department of Labor, wind technician is the fastest-growing occupation in the country. You're listening to Eco Report, WFHB's weekly radio rundown of ecological news and resistance. Today is day seven of WFHB's Spring Pledge Drive, and we're asking you to call 812-323-1200 to pledge your support for community radio. radio. Let's go now to Pledge Central with WFHB News Director Joe Crawford. Thank you, Juliana and David. We are asking you to call 812-323-1200 to support WFHB, to support community radio. Um, it has never been, I don't think, a more important time to support the kind of work that's being done here. You know, Juliana, I think it's it's easy to forget that this is a very unique show. Uh, we, we really are doing, uh, you, you help produce this show, of course, uh, and you anchor the show regularly, uh, but it's it really is unlike 
any you're you're not going to hear anything like Eco Report anywhere else on on the on your dial. Completely agree, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to get involved because the environment is extremely important, and more so today than ever before. I think one of the things that uh, I think our listeners really appreciate is that we keep them abreast of not only locally things that are happening ecologically, but also they learn about what's happening statewide, nationwide, and international. I mean, where else can you learn about all the different pipelines that are going in and the resistance that's um, taking place to try to prevent those pipelines and the fracking that's uh, happening Pennsylvania is uh, doing a big thing about trying to prevent uh, the fracking issue. Um, Also, the lead in the soil. You just heard a a, a report about lead in the soil up in the Chicago area, and we already know about Detroit and the the horrible water issues that they're having. Um, You also get to hear these fantastic interviews that we have. Norm Holy has been interviewing uh, park uh, officials in all of our uh, state, um, excuse me, national parks. And uh, you're learning about the different issues those national parks are facing as far as how the environment is changing, whether you believe in global warming or not, because things are different different now in those those different states. And he's uh, letting you know what's happening there. You're also learning about what's going on in the state parks. I mean, who knew that we had um, freshwater jellyfish in Lake Potoka? So you know, it's uh, well, a nice we know thing it because know. we know it because you uh, you spoke <laughs> with somebody at Potoka Lake about those freshwater jellyfish, and that is, I mean, that is what's really incredible about a show like Eco Report, Juliana, is that you're somebody who cares about this subject, uh, and so you just. Uh, Drove over to Potoka Lake and talked with somebody about uh, freshwater jellyfish, and along the way, I think also dispelled a myth about freshwater uh, stingrays. If I that, that is absolutely <laughs> correct. <laughs> you are right. Um, and the young man that I just interviewed recently from uh, South High School, you want to talk about a passionate person? Oh my goodness! Uh, I think for me, in talking to him, sometimes I get kind of um, jaded about the future and what's going to happen, but listening to him, oh my goodness, he just completely made my heart sore. I mean, seriously, he made my heart sore because he is so unbelievably passionate about this planet. So um, anyway. Um, well, that's it, it, we really do talk a lot about uh, in Eco Report meetings, you know, because of course this is a team of volunteers that produces this show. And Juliana and David have both been in on meetings where we talk about, you know, we want to be frank, of course, about the issues that are that that our planet faces and that our uh, community faces when it comes to environmental issues. But we also want to recognize that there are a lot of people, especially in our community, who are doing very good work, who are working to, you know, resist certain difficult, bad projects, as well as to... Uh, to kind of come up with new ideas, to innovate, to find new ways of doing things. And we regularly are able to highlight that work as well. Um, We even have, uh, you know, I think one of our more interesting uh, segments recently has been our dumpster correspondent who has, uh, you know, just told you what he's been finding in the dumpster lately. You're not going to find that anywhere else on the dial. And you really are not going to find a half hour of watchdog reporting related to environmental issues anywhere uh, on the dial. So please give us a call at 812-323-1200 to support 
this work. Again, 812-323-1200. We've got folks waiting to take your calls. I'm looking at a phone, and if I understand correctly, we have all of the lines open. So again, that phone number is 812-323-1200. You can, if you would like, support us at wfhb.org as well. That's wfhb.org. There's a donate button there. Uh, on the right side of the page. Let's go back now to Juliana and David as they bring you the rest of your eco-report headlines. Though President Trump recently rubber-stamped his approval of a federal permit to TransCanada's proposed Keystone XL pipeline, he doesn't get the final word on the pipeline. Nebraska does. TransCanada still needs a permit for a route through Nebraska and has filed for one with the Nebraska Public Service Commission, which has launched an 8- to 12-month review of Keystone XL that will include public hearings slated for April through June. The commission has begun accepting written public comments that it must consider during its review of the pipeline. Bold Nebraska, one of the grassroots organizations resisting the pipeline, is asking concerned citizens to write to the commission in opposition to the Keystone XL. On its website, boldnebraska.org, the organization has posted a sample letter that can be edited and emailed to the commission from the website. The commission's review of the XL, Keystone XL pipeline is the last chance for citizens to speak out about their concerns about the pipeline, which is using eminent domain for private gain, trampling on Native American sovereign rights and threatening our land, water, and climate. Lawsuits and protests are taking their toll on proposed oil pipelines like Keystone XL. They recently crippled Enbridge's Northern Gateway Pipeline and seriously delayed Energy Transfer Partners' Dakota Access Pipeline. Lawsuits have plagued the Keystone XL for years. In 2015, more than 100 Nebraska landowners sued TransCanada over the proposed use of eminent domain. Landowners have already started to meet to plot out how to resist the pipeline. There's also growing resistance from indigenous people, especially in the wake of Standing Rock. Thousands of indigenous people recently gathered in Washington, D.C. for a four-day protest against the Dakota Access Pipeline. Keeping track of how politicians vote on important issues, such as the Keystone XL Pipeline, is the League of Conservation Voters. Since 1970, they have provided a national environmental scorecard to evaluate how our elected congressional officials voted on environmental issues. Their scorecard, produced in partnership with a number of leading environmental groups, has become the standard to determine the environmental record of all members of Congress. They score the votes on the most important issues of the year, including energy, global warming, public health, public lands, and wildlife conservation, and spending for environmental programs. A high score reflects voting with the environment. A low score basically votes with commercial exploitation. For the year 2016, Senator Coates had a score of 0%, meaning he never voted to protect the environment. Senator Donnelly had a 76% rating, meaning he voted to protect the environment most of the time. Of Indiana's representatives, Peter Visklosky from District 1 earned a 100% rating, and Andre Carson, District 7, had a 97% rating. 
all of the other representatives, all Republicans, had a rating of five or lower. Republicans have been anti-environmental for years, but it has not always been so. In 1970, Republican President Richard Nixon announced to Congress his plans to create the Environmental Protection Agency and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. By the end of that year, both agencies were a reality. Both agencies had widespread support from both parties. The shift for Republicans came in the early 1990s, though a single cause is not identifiable. One of the reasons for the shift was the election of Bill Clinton as president. His vice president, Al Gore, had just published a book called Earth in the Balance. That made environmental issues visible in a very political way. Republicans have not been pro-environment since. They have been anti-science since the 1990s. And during the last week in March, President Trump announced executive actions to gut progress on climate change. He ended a moratorium on new coal mining on public lands that Obama had established. He demanded that EPA relax carbon emission standards for new power plants. He also terminated an Obama-era goal of reducing methane emissions by 40% by 2025. Moreover, he eliminated guidance for federal agencies to conduct environmental reviews before new construction projects. Further, he rolled back the Clean Power Plan, which set standards for polluters aimed at reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Lastly, he approved the Keystone XL pipeline and revoked Obama administration guidelines requiring government agencies to consider climate impacts when making decisions. One common thread in all of Trump's actions is placing corporate profit over people and the planet. But people are fighting back. Numerous organizations are planning a huge people's climate in Washington, D.C. on April 29th. Mental health and our changing climate, impacts, implications, and guidance is a new report released by the American Psychological Association and Eco America that found climate change has a significant impact on mental health. The most immediate effects come from severe weather and other natural disasters that climate change induces. Those effects take the form of trauma and shock from personal injuries, loss of a loved one, damage to or loss of personal property, and the loss of livelihood. The initial terror, anger, shock, and other extreme negative emotions can lead to post-traumatic stress disorder. Longer-term climate change can also affect mental health in important ways. Changes in climate influence agriculture and infrastructure and thus influence occupations and quality of life, forcing people to migrate. Those changes can result in loss of personal and professional identity, of social support structures, and of a sense of control and autonomy. The results can be feelings of helplessness, fear, and fatalism. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly, and that's the news for this week. And I'm David Lyman. We'd love to hear from you, especially now during our fun drive. Please call 812-323-1200 to give us your pledge. Contact us also if you have any thoughts about stories we've aired or if you have any future story ideas. Please send emails to earth at wfhb.org. 
Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. Today is day seven of WFHB's Spring Pledge Drive, and now is your chance to support our award-winning, locally produced environmental journalism. Let's go now to Pledge Central with WFHB News Director Joe Crawford. Thank you, David uh, and Juliana. Of course, uh, I do want to to thank some folks. Uh, I want to make sure to thank the Atlas Bar. That's our day sponsor today. Support for WFHB's Spring Fund Drive comes from the Atlas Bar, boasting shuffleboard and skee-ball. The Atlas Bar is located downtown at 209 South College Street. also want to say special thanks to La Petite Cafe for providing lunch for our Fund Drive volunteers. Serving a French country fair, La Petite Cafe is located on the west side of the downtown area right next to Blooming Foods West. Thanks to everybody who's supporting WFHB during this very crucial time for the station, our spring fund drive. The phone number to call to support this important show, Eco Report, is 812-323-1200. Never more important than now. Again, 812-323-1200. And David, if it... uh, there's so many reasons to think that now is uh, perhaps one of the most important times ever to support a show uh, like Eco Report. Um, there's just so much happening, not only locally and at the state level, but uh, at the federal level as well. Yeah, uh, in fact, Joe, uh, as you know, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting funding will be cut, and we receive about 30% of our annual revenue from the CBP. So if each person who donates, for example, $10 a month or $120 a year or one that's uh, the same as maybe buying one pizza, if they increased their donation by $3, we would be well on our way to a financially independent WFHB with or without the government funds. So call us right now at 812-323-1200 or go to WFHB.org online and click on the red button to make your pledge to community radio. And this is indeed community radio. This is your community radio. Uh, what you learn a lot, I think, from Eco Report, and as you heard from Juliana, is that this is about education. And we provide a diverse amount and types of in- information, and this can encourage, for sure, um, good discussions and exchanges of idea ideas about these issues uh, among people and groups in our community. Um, I know when I uh, hear something on uh, Eco Report, for example, for instance, like the uh, issues at Standing Rock, uh, I'm always curious about what else is happening out there. Are there, other, uh, are there other things that are going on? And so I look for other resources. Well, this was my, this was my first resource for that particular uh, issue, and uh, I encourage everybody who understands this 
and understands that this resource might send them to another spot to learn more about it, that this is about education. And education, of course, is is uh, in, extremely important for everyone. It's about learning, and we constantly learn. And issues about the environment are so important to us. We are all interconnected. We are interconnected with the environment. Uh, on, a li- on a little gentler note, I know that from one of our uh, pieces from the flora f- and fauna of Indiana, I learned about the Virginia bluebells. And if you go out in your yard or in the woods right now, you'll see these beautiful bluebells. I have them in my yard. They're yeah. beautiful. They just pop up, <laughs> and there they are, and they just grab your eyes. And at that moment, you can think, wow, I'm connected to this, and I need to learn more about this and so that I can protect the environment, preserve what we have, Indeed, and, keep, and, and please preserve community radio and as well. preserve the community radio. And, and that's what we're asking you to do, to call us at 812-323-1200. That's 812-323-1200. You can also contribute online at WFHB. Let's go ahead and return now to David and Juliana as they bring you the rest of Eco Report. Eco Report is currently seeking volunteer journalists to contribute short weekly headlines about ecological issues from indigenous resistance to infrastructure projects to climate change and biological diversity. Commitment is light, and you can set your own schedule. For more information, email us at earth at wfhb.org or call 812-323-1200. And here's our weekly events calendar. The 8th Annual Bloomington Fashion, Fashion Refashion Runway Show Excuse me, I'm going to say that again. The 8th Annual Bloomington Trashion Refashion Runway Show, boy, that's a mouthful, will be held on Sunday, April the 9th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Bus Kirk Chumley Theater in Bloomington. This event is a fundraiser for Discardia and the Center for Sustainable Living. Designers make fashion out of materials destined for the landfill. Tickets are available in advance and at the door. A spring wildflower stroll will take place on Sunday, April 9th from 2 to 3 p.m. at Spring Mill State Park. It's been a whole year since the wildflowers have bloomed. Come out to see what is in bloom now around the Lakeview Activity Center. Enjoy a night paddle at Griffey Lake Nature Preserve on Tuesday, April the 11th from 8 to 9.30 p.m. Experience an evening of peace and serenity during the full moon. It's the pink moon, by the way. Watercraft paddles, and life jackets are provided. Bring a flashlight to help you navigate back to your vehicle. Register for this event by April 9th at bloomington.in.gov parks. Join the Hoosier Environmental Council for the Environmental Advocate Training on Wednesday, April 12th from 7 to 9 p.m. in Indianapolis. Learn about legislation, how to get involved, and actions you can take to help improve and protect Indiana's environment. Contact Amanda at a shepherd at H-E-C-W-E-B dot O-R-G to RSP or ask questions. Location is dependent on number attending. The annual wildflower hike planned for Bedford's Felden Purdue Ag Center will take place on Saturday, April 15th. 
Two identical hikes are planned to accommodate the number of people who plan to attend. The morning session will take place from 10 to 11.45 a.m. The afternoon session takes place from 12.15 to 1.30 p.m. The Felden Purdue Agricultural Center is located at 1117 on State Road 458 west of Bedford, Indiana. Make reservations early by contacting Michael White at the Orange County SWCD located at 573 Southeast Main Street in Paoli, Indiana 47454 or call 812-203-3003 or email Michael White at in.nacdnet.net. A modest fee is charged to participate. That wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by Solar Systems of Indiana, designing and installing renewable energy systems. SSI is a member of the North American Board of Certified Energy Practitioners and works to foster the acceptance of solar energy across the Midwest through education and consultation. More information by phone at 812-336-2785 or online at solarsystemsofindiana.com. This week's news stories were written by Linda Green and Sarah Vaughn and Norm Holy. Aaron Comforty edited the show. Myself, Juliana Daly, compiled our events calendar. Megan Wade and Matt Griffin are our engineers, and our executive producer is Joe Crawford. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm David Lyman. Join us on Thursdays at 11.30 a.m. before Democracy Now! and on Fridays at 5 p.m. before Kite Line for our weekly radio rundown of ecological news and resistance. Until then, Eco Report encourages you to take direct action to defend the Earth. You've been listening to the Eco Report, a volunteer powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org. Eco Report is your independent, ecologically inspired news source. For South Central Indiana. Bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org. Thank you.